0: We, we call your attention this morning, those of you that have your Bibles, to Psalms 51. Uh, you, th- uh, you heard this in our uh, devotional this morning, uh, but our key verse this morning in Psalms 51 will be verses uh, 4. Will be Verse 4 will be our key verse, the verse that my argument is centered around, Psalms 51 those of you that have your Bibles. All you got to do is open your Bibles in the middle and you'll be at Psalms. <laughs> Psalms 51, verse 4. Against thee and thee alone have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thy judge. This morning we will use for a theme, the high cost of living low. The high cost of living low. You may be seated. The elephant is in the room and having so much time on my hand when I was recovering to read the newspapers and to hear all of the stuff that was happening, I could not help but see that there is spiritual warfare in high places, but I came this morning to warn you that there is a high cost for living low. So you may say, uh, well, preacher, what do you mean by low living? I'm glad you asked that question. God gave us, if y'all don't mind me teaching a little bit this morning, God gave us three basic instincts. A social instinct and a security instinct and a sexual instinct. Now these are God-given gifts, instincts that God has given us. And each one of these instincts ought to be used for the glory of God. Our social instinct is when we wanting to belong and to be accepted and to have people and loving people around us. No one wants to be rejected everybody wants to be uh in a beloved community and have loving people around us so so that's just part of our social instinct our security instinct is when we have an instinct to go out and to, to work and to uh, accumulate things and have a, a nice home nice cars and nice clothes and prepare for our family that's just part of us having this instinct to be secure uh And also in our security instinct, we always should put God in it because we have eternal security in God, hold on to that thought. But we also have a sexual instinct that's given to us by God. Uh, We have the instinct to be sexual, to want to be in a loving, caring, sexual relationship based on God's principles and not on our principles. Uh, but what happens when we get out of control, when the basic instincts that God gives us gets out of control and we use those basic instincts uh, to the destruction of our own selves, when uh, we go into low living, our social instincts become excessive and unjustified opinion. Of ourselves, our social instincts become led by self-centeredness and pride. Those are the social instincts when, when we would lie on people in order to get their friends, not knowing that God would give our, us friends. So 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 this social instincts gets out of control by our own self will. Our security instincts. Get out of control when we steal stuff and we take things that don't belong to us in order for us to be secure. Those are social instincts that was given to us by God, but we misuse them. We allow these things to get out of control. And our sexual instincts, when when God gives us the ability uh, to, to be married and to have children and to enjoy sex. And sex is just not for to procreate, but, but sex is also to be enjoyed into the marriage commun- marriage marriage family. And our bed is not to be defiled. So, so when we look at being sexual, God has given us a sexual instinct, but when we use that and that sexual instinct gets out of control, when it gets out of control, then we will have sex with anybody, anywhere, anytime. We become, we prey on vulnerable people. What happens when our basic instincts gets out of whack? We end up having animalistic tendencies, and we end up acting like animals, uh, uh, because then we go into what we call low living. Uh, You know, I don't know if you've ever seen a dog in heat, but when we allow our own sexual instincts to get out of control, our behavior is the behavior of an animal. Our behavior is one of a dog that's in heat, and when a dog is in heat, sometimes you have to lock them up. When a dog is in heat, they'll even climb up on your leg. You know what I'm talking about, bestiality. You better be careful. But but, but but what happens when we go into low living, low living, we live lower than the standards that God has created for us. That's low living. Low living is when we live lower than society will accept from anybody. Uh, So recently, we have run into some situations. But I just want you to understand that there is a high cost for low living. I don't know if you want to pay the cost, but it's a high cost for low living. When I think about Dr. Floyd Williams, Jr., the first African-American superintendent of schools in the displaying School District. He was recently dismissed because he made inappropriate sexual advances and used the internet in an improper manner. And he was fired. Talking about low living. Uh, When we look at uh, Roger Ailes' The man who founded Fox News had to be fired from Fox News because he used inappropriate sexual advances and demanded things that was not appropriate. The the, the same network that he invented, genius of a man, had to be fired by that same network. I'm talking about Low Living. I'm talking about Bill O'Reilly man making over 20 million dollars a year, the star of Fox News, had to be, found talking about low living. He decided to live lower than what society would accept. He, he, because he was in a power position, he started requesting things that was not proper. And we talked about Matt Larrie, you know, the today's show host that inappropriately used his power uh, against women who was in the of pool. Let me tell you about low living. See, people that live low, they know who to approach and who to control with that power. It's about power, and, and, and he had to be dismissed. And, and, and one man that I held up, John Conyers, 53 years in the Congress, broke my heart the other day to see this man step down because of low living, I'm talking about living on emotions and based on animal tendencies. I'm talking about allowing your emotions to control your behavior. I'm talking about low living. All y'all know what I'm talking about. Garrison Keller, radio broadcaster. Kevin SpaceX, one of my favorite actors. Al Franken, also a senator from New York. Harvey Weinstein. Russell Simmons, James Levine, all in low living. A man who was in the Metropolitan Opera. But see what happened to people when they decide to live low, when they decide to live beyond the standards that God has created. We're talking about folk that would live low. And when you live low... There is a high cost, or you don't want to pay this cost because this cost can embarrass your family. This cost can put you in jail. This cost can can, can, all of your education. You mean Dr. Floyd had a doctorate degree? Fired from his job. Low living. Sitting up in his office, his big, beautiful office, his fine computer with pornography. Low living. Oh, I'm talking about low living, y'all. Low living. Living beyond the standards of God. Living beyond the standards in which society will accept. Today I will teach that God still wants a broken person and a contrite heart. I don't care how low you have lived or how low you are living, there's still an answer to your problem. When we look at our lesson text this morning, the background is when David had been living low. And the prophet Nathan came up to David and confronted him and told him about what he had been doing, told him about how he had had committed adultery with Bathsheba and how he had ordered her husband Uriah to be killed. And he told him that you are the man. But let, 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 me, let me just tell you something, but before I get into the lesson text, let me just help you to understand something because, see, there is a danger. Pay attention. Because there's a danger in prosperity. See, you can't handle success unless you have God on your side. See, 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 David had, had been a great warrior, and David had won many battles. So, so, so David, you know, sometimes when we complete our goal and we lose our vision, and when we lose our vision, we have no reason to get up in the morning. So, 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 so David had a big battle going on, and, and he told Joab, you you, you go gonna take care of it. I, I'm, I'm tired of winning wars, and I know God is with me, so, so I'm, I'm just going to kick back now and relax. And, 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 and you know, I'm, I'm going to put this thing on automatic pilot because I'm just so good. steps in there. Didn't even go to battle. Sent his army out there, but David is on cruise now. David's sleeping all day, getting up when everybody else is at work, walking around this palace. He got the only palace in town, and he had this huge balcony that he's just walking over. You know, I don't know what kind of deck he had. I don't know if he had a deck like yours, but I don't know what kind of deck he had. But, but, but David's just walking there in the morning when everybody else was at work. And all of a sudden, he looks on and sees this beautiful woman. Taking a bath. David, see, see, an idle man is the devil's workshop. And you have to be careful when you lose your vision. You have to be careful when you stop coming to church. You have to be careful when you stop going into your prayer and meditation. You have to be careful when you stop walking with God every day. You have to be careful when you think you have arrived and you don't need God anymore. And you've lost your vision. You've lost your focus. You get up in the morning and you don't pray anymore. You don't meditate anymore. See, you can collapse in calamity. David had all these fine things. All these wives and concubines. And he looked over there and saw Bathsheba. And he decided that he wanted to have. It. He didn't care how many other women he had. How many concubines he had. How many wives he had. He said, I want her. I'm the king. Bring her to me. He brought Bathsheba to him. She got. Pregnant, and you all know the story. He brought Uriah, her husband, home and, 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 and had him and had Joab to send him out on the battlefield so he could get killed. And David plotted this thing, and, and, and then uh, he had, you know, Uriah went out there and got killed. And, and then he, when uh, Uriah got killed, and then David didn't end up marrying Bathsheba. But, but, but you see, there's a danger. There's a danger in thinking that you have a ride. There's a danger in success. When when you are successful, when you are living in your fine house and wrapping your fine clothes, you better be careful because that's the time to pray. When you have achieved your greatest accomplishments, don't forget God. Keep your focus in mind. David allowed his idle mind to take over. But when we see our lesson text, You see, the thing that happened to King Saul, the first king, and David, when King Saul messed up, he didn't repent. But the thing, the reason that David was after God's own heart, and all of these folk that I just named, they can do the same thing that David did. There's hope for every last one of them. God wants us to have a broken spirit and a contrite heart, and God wants us to realize that I can do nothing without you. God designed us to be dependent, uh-huh. not just until you get what you want in life, but God designed you to be dependent on Him forever. forever. So, 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 David goes into this 51st Psalm, and uh, in my uh, first outline of this 51st Psalm, we talks about how he's going to pray this thing, and, and uh, in verse number one through four, David pleads for forgiveness. And in verses 5 through 9, a confession of his sin. And verse 10, a plea for restoration. It's what David does. And when we look at that first verse in that 51st Psalm, David appeals to God's love and kindness. He, he knows God's attributes. He knows God's understanding. He knows God's personality. So he say, oh, loving and kind God. Have mercy on me. Now, you know if your child come to you and say, oh, gracious mama, you so loving and kind. And, and uh, I know sometimes my wife says she ain't going to put no more money on Jerry's this card. But all he got to do is come home and hug and kiss her. And he got more money on his card than I got on me. <laughs> Ashley's the same way. They know how to appeal to you. They say, oh, with your love and kindness. And David say, have mercy. See, the thing that I like about David, he never tried to deny what he had done. That's, that's what God loved about him. David said, have mercy. See, 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 mercy is when you what you get when you know you have messed up. He said, have mercy on me. Have pity upon me and take away the awful stain of my transgressions. I don't care how beautiful that shirt you got on, Herbie. It wouldn't look good if it had a stain in the front of it. So David said, take away this stain that's on me. Take away this stain of sin that I have. He said, take it away, my transgressions. And that's what he wanted to do, God, to take it away. He said, blot it out. He said, blot out my transgressions. I don't know about you, but if you've ever bought a house, you know, when you go for closing and they go to record it, the biggest thing in buying a house, you know, Brother Brown, know that he's in real estate. The biggest thing about buying a house is that the lawyer is supposed to make sure that you got clear title. See, you can buy a house, and if they don't change the deeds, you ain't done nothing. You better get clear title. And see, what happens when they do clear title? They they take a blotter. And they blot out the old owner's name and they put the new owner's there. So when you do a title search and and you go in and look who owns the property, they can no longer look at and see that the old owner is gone and the new owner is there. When you go to search the record, they have blotted out out. the old owner. So David said, look, blot out my sins. So you can't see them anymore. He said, blot them out. Blot out my transgressions. And in verse 2, he said, wash me, and I will be clean. He said, oh, oh, wash me, and cleanse me from my guilt, from this guilt. See, so see, David had some guilt, and you can't function with guilt, whether it's self-imposed or whatever kind. He said, he take away this guilt that I have. He said, let me be pure again. He said, let, let me be pure again, because the stain of my sin is before me. In verse three he say, For I admit my shame for deeds, and it haunts me day and night. David said, I keep thinking about all the wives that I had and I think about how good, had, how good God had been to me and how the battles that I had won and how I just put my life on automatic pilot. He said, I keep thinking about my sin is that I couldn't handle success. So because I was idle, because I saw something that I didn't have that I figured I could get because I was the king, he said, I've been thinking about all of this, and God, if you give me another chance, I'll correct it. Yeah, that's he said, let me be pure. Have you ever wanted to be pure again? I mean, after you sin, don't you feel so nasty? After you sin, you feel so dirty. After that sin is before you, that's what David is saying. I feel so nasty and dirty. He said, "Wash wash me. He said, I'll be white as snow. You know, I don't care how white your clothes is, how white this handkerchief is. If you go out there and hold it down to the snow, it looks dull. He say, wash me, and I'll be white as snow. And at verse 3, he say, for I admit my shameful deeds, and they haunt me day and night. In verse 4, he said, it is against you, and you alone have I sinned and did this terrible sin. He say, God, every sin that I commit, and I remember, he didn't mention Uriah's name, and he didn't mention Bathsheba. Every sin that you commit is against God, First. The prodigal son on his way home, he's prayed to God. He said, my sin is against heaven. Yes. So you remember, now God is looking at you. Every sin that you commit is against God's curse. He said, I admit my shame for deeds. It haunts me day and night. In verse 4, it said, it is against you and alone I have sinned and did this terrible thing. And then he said, I saw it. He said, you saw it all, and your sentence against me is jealous. That sin that you commit when you was in the corner in the dark? Well, I just want you to know God saw you. You can't hide from God. Are you making hide from me? But you cannot hide. I don't care where you go. You can find the cheapest motel in the smallest town you can ever find. You can find a liquor store where across town in the middle of nowhere. But God saw you all these folk that had these big offices and could lock their door and somebody came in and couldn't get out. God saw you! Can't lock God out! You make it like the rest of the world, but you can't lock God out! He says, God saw me, and you saw me. And then in verse 5, he started, he started doing his confessions and he said, but I was born a sinner, Yes, from my mother's womb, from the moment my mother conceived me, I was born and I was shaped in iniquity. In other words, David was saying, I have a sin nature and I was born with this sin nature. And the only way that I can get rid of this sin nature is that I have to be born again, born of the spirit and born of the water. But I'm born and shaped in iniquity. And if I don't ever make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior with old Adam's nature in me, I have the proclivity to sin. And I'm going to tell you right now, there is no way the flesh cannot be converted If you do not let God's spirit dwell in your heart and control your thoughts and your mind, you are going to commit sin because it's in your nature. You heard the old folks down south say, that boy got nature. That sin is in that nature. You got a sin nature. And I don't care who you are, I don't care how much money you have, I don't care how tall the building you live in, I don't care what big job you have, whatever you got, that sin nature is going to find you out. I want you all to understand what's happening around us. That's why the Lord led me to preach this. Want you all to understand it, but, but 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 he said he'd been like this ever since he was born. He was born and shaped in a fallen world, and because he was shaped in a fallen world, he had the proclivity to commit sin. Because it was in his nature. But he said, God, you desire honesty from the heart. God wants you to be honest. Adam told the first lie when he blamed Eve and the God. And we've been lying ever since. <laughs> been blaming folk and lying and cheating. Is that woman you gave? Oh, no, you responsible. He said, God, God, you deserve honesty. He said, yes, utter sincerity and truthfulness. God wants you to be truthful. God wants you to tell the truth. You know, sometimes you mess up. But don't lie about it. You make it worse. You make it worse when you lie about it. So tell the truth, as they used to say down style. Tell the truth, snag a tooth. (laughs) Tell the truth. Honey said, oh, give me wisdom to know how to do this. And then he goes back in verse 7. He says, sprinkle me. With blood and I shall be clean again. I want to be clean again. He said once again, he said, wash me and I shall be white as snow. I want to be clean again. I I want this sin nature to get away from me. I want to have clean thoughts. I want to think things that are pure, things that are divine. I want to think things that are like the virtuous woman. I want to have a clean mind and clean thoughts. Make me like that again, like I was, wash. Verse 8. And after you have punished me, I I don't want to run from my punishment. After you have punished me, whatever the punishment is, God, give it to me. He said, I selected my actions, but I know you're going to select my consequences. He said, give me back my joy. You know, sin can take your joy. When you see a person that ain't got no joy, sin is taking a joy away from. When you see a person that used to get up and praise God in church, and now they come and sit still, looking on me. The, the devil has taken a joy. But David said, give me that joy back again. And then he says, don't keep, don't keep looking at my sins. Erase them from my sight. Amen. And then verse 10, we're looking at the plea for restoration. He says, create in me a clean heart and a new spirit. He said, God, fill me with with a clean with clean thoughts and right desires. He said, "Give me your desires." See, when you make your confession, you you confess and you take on the desires of God. In verse 11, he said, "Don't toss me aside." He said, don't banish me forever. He said, don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. See, I can't pray this prayer today that David prayed because God is never going to take his spirit away from me. God said, I will always be with you. I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. But in antiquity, the spirit just came upon you. But, but God said, and, and David is saying, don't take your spirit from me. Yeah. He said, restore me again, the joy of my salvation. Make me willing and make me willing to obey you. In verse 13, he says, then I will teach your ways to other sinners, he said. Lord, restore me. I would teach people how I how I failed, and I would teach them how you restored me. I would teach them how you made me. He said. He said, the heavenly Father, just just give me that chance. But you see, now I'm gonna let, pay attention to this because see, God restored David, and David was a man after God's own heart because he repented. But because there are consequences, David had to pay the high cost of sin because David sinned and allowed this adultery to come into his household his oldest son his first son Ammon lusted after his half sister Tamra and raped her, raped his sister. And since Tamar was Absalom's whole sister, Absalom sought to kill Ammon because of as murder in David's house, all because David had gone and committed this adultery. But, but not only when Absalom killed Ammon, then Absalom got on the run thinking David was after him to kill him. So Absalom got on the run, and then he got with this, this man who was uh, 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 Bathsheba's grandfather. Ahemophel, he was Ahemophel, he was, but, but, but you see Ahemophel, now pay attention because he got a, a motive in man. See Ahemophel was Bathsheba's grandfather and he had hated David for years. He was waiting around lurching to get an opportunity to get even with David because he hated what David had done with Bathsheba and how David had had Uriah killed. So Ahenophel waited, and when Absalom was on the run, he advised Absalom to go and sleep with all of David's concubines as if he was taking over the throne. But when Absalom did all this and challenged David, then Joab, David's chief general, killed Absalom, David's chief general, his own chief general soldier, killed his own son. Now, now we have Ammon dead. We have, have Tamar rape. Uh, we have all of this stuff going on. Absalom been killed by De- all of this stuff happened yes. right. because David decided to live low. There are consequences for low living. Hallelujah. Haimaphel hated David so badly. That he waited all these years. See, when you live low, people gonna want to get even with you. But I stopped out here to let you know, to tell you this last story. This man was on his way to work one morning to catch the train at 805. He was all dressed up to go to work to catch the 805 and on his way out of the door he noticed that his little son was out there playing in the mud. And he went to step across his little son playing in the mud and he fell in the mud. And when he fell in the mud the little boy got comfortable because he said now, Daddy, you down here in the mud with me? Let's play a little while. The man said, no, I got to go catch the 804. I don't have time to play in the mud with you. The boy said, come on, Daddy. They said, no, I I got to get up. And I know that there's a restroom on the train. And I know I got some more clothes that I got to go. But I have to make a decision whether I need to get up out the mud and go to work or stay here and play in the mud with my son because the son wasn't going nowhere. He was satisfied in playing in the mud. So the man had to make a decision to catch the 805 and go on downtown and work. But, But you see, I stopped by. here to let you know if you have slipped if you have fallen in the mud if you got to make a decision to get up out the mud God has prepared a way to clean you up God got a new wardrobe for you when you get in heaven he got a robe that's been washed with the blood of Jesus I don't know about you but you can get up out that muddy pond you can get up out of that place you don't have to stay there and wallow in that mud God has a way for you that's a hack off for living low. There's a high cost for messing up. But God can clean you up. I don't care how bad you messed up. God can clean you up. He has a restroom that's called a church. Where you can come and get cleaned up.